Welcome to the Mosaic Memphis podcast. Our purpose is to support, challenge, and equip you to live out the gospel of Jesus faithfully in your everyday life. We hope this conversation helps you grow in your understanding of Christ and encourages you in your mission to serve Him. Listen in. Welcome to the Mosaic Church podcast, where we exist to equip and encourage and challenge those within our church and those who might be listening to faithfully live out the gospel in your neighborhood and in your community. Today, we are recording part two of a conversation that our church has been walking through regarding women's roles in the church. I am Casey Grooms. I serve as the minister to women here at Mosaic Church, and I am joined by two ladies that I love and adore within our church who serve faithfully to just have a conversation about women's roles, our experiences as women serving in church leadership, and just serving faithfully within our local body. Um, just to kick us off, I just want to share a little bit about my story, how I have been navigating what it looks like to be a woman serving in ministry. I came to faith as a nine-year-old girl in a small Southern Baptist church in rural West Tennessee, and the only female representation I saw serving in ministry were my pastor's wife, who led me to the Lord and was a Sunday school teacher and other women serving in children's ministry. And then I heard about women like Annie Armstrong and Lottie Moon who had served in missions. And so that's all I thought that women could do in ministry. I was discipled by a lady in college when I was a freshman, and it was very quick in that discipleship journey that I began to navigate a call to ministry. But again, all I knew was that my options were to work with children who I love, uh, or to serve in missions. And it has been a journey over the last several years, a couple of decades, of what it looks like to be a woman in the church serving faithfully and how to navigate those conversations both with women who have grown up in the same context in the church as I, as well as my brothers in Christ. Um, and so we're just going to talk today about our experiences and to just be open and honest as a way to encourage you if you're walking through something similar, and also to encourage our brothers in Christ as they can learn more about our experience and to support us as we step into our calling. Um, I do want to say, if you are a man listening, we need you to hear our stories whether you are a husband or a father or just a brother, there are women in your life that have been gifted specifically to be a part of kingdom work, and they need your support. So I'm going to hand it off. I'm going to let our ladies introduce themselves. I'll start with you, Sarah. Okay. Um, tell us about who you are, kind of a little bit about your faith journey, how you've been serving in the church world, and uh, yeah, we'll just start there. Okay. My name is Sarah Grizzle. Um it might be a long story, so feel free to edit it. <laughs> That's a lot of lot of uh, background um, to go into. So, uh, my grandparents were missionaries for the Church of Christ in Taiwan for decades, decades, and um, so my mother grew up in Taiwan, um, and then came back to the states, married my father. They were, I was four when they divorced, and you know, divorce is not a happy thing in the church. And so I did not grow up going to church. Um, I kind of knew about church because I live in the South and all my friends were good Southern Baptist kids. And 
Um, and then, you know, we would go to Easter stuff or Christmas stuff. So I was around it. I knew about Jesus kind of like I had been to the passion play at, at a big church here and, um, was like, wow, this Jesus guy is real. Like I want that, you know? And so I can look back and see God working in my life from a very early age, but I, I went to, um, a really great public school here and went through a period of atheism and agnosticism and cynicism and all the isms. And um, looking at other Christians around me and thinking, oh, they're hypocrites. I don't want anything to do with that. Um, dealt with, had some stuff happen, went into um, just some traumas and had to deal with eating disorder and depression. And God really used depression, honestly, to draw me to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was in college, had been kind of in just in the bottom of the pit and was like, there's only, I mean, what else is there? And just kind of crying out to the Lord and having um, been blessed by some some works in apologetics that um, kind of helped me get around some of the the things that were holding me back from committing. But but honestly, what it was, I remember being a kid and being at church sometimes and seeing people walk down to be baptized and just like being like yearning for what, you know, and I think that's God working in, in me, in to draw me to him and just always remembering like, I'm not good enough yet. I'm not you know what I mean? Like I can't be the good Christian girl yet, so I can't I can't get baptized. And because in my mind, baptism was the the line, right? That was the line where you got saved was by choosing to get baptized. And um, it was college. I was depressed. I was like, I'm never that. And that was the 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 aha moment. Oh, that's why Jesus died for us because none of us can ever be good enough. Mm-hmm. We can no no one can do it on their own. So that's how I became a Christian. How I finally realized Jesus did all this for a reason because he loves us. And um, I'm trying to think if I've, I'm trying to hit the questions in a succinct way. Um, That didn't mean that depression went away magically Mm -hmm. overnight. And so that's been a big part of my journey over the years in college. I, when I was ready to get baptized, because again, that was the marker for me, went to my brother's uh, church and they had a college campus ministry there. And, um, it's like, I want to get baptized. One of the ministers there sat down with me, and we talked about it. Um, he baptized me. We did a Bible study after that, and that's how I got back involved in attending church regularly. Um, that's where I met my husband. So we were really involved in campus ministry for many years. My husband went to graduate school, seminary, and um, so he was an apprentice in campus ministry. So, you know, we were kind of in- involved. I-, I also had children really young, so I, I was not fully involved because I was also taking care of young children at the time. And so we've we've always, um, whichever church we were at, we've been at three churches in our adult married life. We've been married uh, going on 18 years. Is that right? I should check. <laughs> um, but, you know, we get involved. We don't, it doesn't feel comfortable to just go and sit. And mm-hmm. so um, that's kind of been our process. We've come from more conservative backgrounds and in terms of what women can do mm-hmm. and kind of um, it's changed slightly over the years. And I don't know how much detail you want me to go in there. Free but range. Yeah. <laughs> um, I felt like Christina should introduce herself and then like maybe conversation will come out of it um, because there's just, there's a lot, you know, um, at different times. I remember being in college and having finished that Bible study and thinking, like, I want to do something, you know. And there was a period where I was like, I'm going to go be a missionary. Like, I was mm-hmm. drawn to that, but 
not quite for the right reasons. I think it was more about the adventure than mm-hmm. like, I really want to tell people about Jesus, um, if I'm honest and looking back. And, um, but I, I remember thinking like, I, I, need to, I need to do something with this, right? And um, asking the man who baptized me and who did the Bible study with me, Kevin is his name, and I was like, what can I do? I'm like, I don't know. I'll, I'll, lead, a, I'll lead a Bible study. Or so I, I, you know, you're so young mm-hmm. and you don't know. And, and, and I, I just wasn't even thinking of the context of, well, what are women allowed to do? Mm-hmm. And like he's, he, I remember him telling me, you know, he talked about who his wife about it. And she's like, I really don't have any advice because I've never wanted to lead in any way. And I don't think I even thought about it as leading. I just, I think I was just thinking like, I just, I need to, 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 do something with this to serve, and I don't. I don't remember my heart mentality. You know, ego can always be wrapped up in these things, and pride of like wanting to be the person with the answers, or wanting to be um, the one who's like so faithful. You know, we're constantly wrestling with our flesh, right? Mm-hmm. That's part of the process. And so, um, looking back, I don't remember. You know how where my heart was necessarily mm-hmm. with that. I just remember being excited about Jesus and like. Wanting, wanting an outlet, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that's a good, good yeah. place to start, maybe. <laughs> Christina, tell us a little bit about your journey. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for you all who are listening in, my name's Christina. I'm a member here at Mosaic. I've been here, I was thinking about it, almost five years, which is crazy because it seems like I got here two minutes ago. Um, but I grew up, uh, like these ladies, um, in church, uh, from a very early age, and I grew up like when Casey was speaking, I was like, "Oh, same." <laughs> I grew up uh, in a conservative small church in which the only women in leadership were the pastor's wife, and um, in the black church in particular, pastor's wife is first lady is its mm-hmm. own position. Mm-hmm. There's like first lady day, um, and yeah, <laughs> it's just, it's a it's a whole thing. And so I I think I was six, seven years old, thinking like. I could grow up to be a uh, first lady. I can grow up to teach Sunday school in the church, or I can grow up and play piano in the church, which is funny because I do play piano in the church, but it's my (laughs) choice. (laughs) It's not because it's the only thing I can do. But I remember being six. I'm like, "Mm, don't like those choices. Um, And so from a very early age, I never thought that, like, I had a place in ministry in the church. Like, it didn't compute. Like, it wasn't for me. And then when I, I came to faith, I believe um, I was eight, and I don't rem- really remember who, uh, like, what the pastor is talking about. All I remember is he's like, you can be with Jesus. I was like, oh, that sounds cool. I'm in. Um, and then there was juice afterwards. Man, it was a great <laughs> gig. And so I, 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 I remember that. And I think at that point, that's when I began my faith as in, I believe this. This is where my, be- that's where my belief started. Um, fast forward a few years, knowing that, like, what is my job in church as a kid? When I was about 13, it was be quiet, stay out of the way, go to youth group. Um, and so my faith as, like, a young girl in church uh, was be quiet. And so when I actually did go through, like, some traumatic things, I couldn't say anything. I didn't have the freedom to, like, express hurt that I was going through because that's not what girls are supposed to do. I'm supposed to, like, while the boys play basketball youth group, I'm supposed to talk about, I don't know, high school musical. And that's exactly what I did. But still, like, that was what was expected of me. Um, Fast forward, I come to this, like, the trauma of my childhood is, like, 
catching up with me. I go, I'm going through like a mental health crisis. I drop out of college. I'm about 20 years old. Um, and I come to another faith realization as a dear, dear friend of mine. Um, he called himself, uh, he had gone through a lot of things in his life, but he called himself redeemed. And up until that point in my life, I had never used that terminology for me, mm-hmm. even though I believed in God 100%. Mm-hmm. I never saw myself as a redeemed child of God. I never saw myself as something worthy of like redemption mm-hmm. um, or even like that uh, God would be willing to like take on someone who was so unworthy um, through my eyes. And so um, I was 21. <laughs> I like found this, yeah, I'm a redeemed child of God. I'm going to go to Bible college. And so I transferred to a Bible college. I was middle, don't transfer to college in your junior year. It's a bad idea. But <laughs> I did it. <laughs> and I got into Bible college and I got a degree um, in Bible and theology and you had to study hermeneutics, which is like how to study the Bible. And you had to study um, Old Testament uh, literature or New Testament, like deep dive study in order to get this degree. Um, and I realized there are a lot of cool women in the Bible and I, I just never heard about them mm-hmm. ever. I remember mm-hmm. being young and hearing uh, male, like hearing pastors, hearing men in the church talking about, oh, that woman minister, like so disparaging, right. so like, what? <laughs> and then I'm like, did y'all read this? Because fast forward, like here I am at 21 thinking like, this is this is not what I like thought I believed. And so even though I just had this great revelation of faith, I was immediately met by a big crisis of faith because I'm like, everything I thought I was supposed to be, like, I don't think I have to be that. Mm. Um, the Like, who I thought I had to be, I thought I had to get married, have, like, a whole bunch of kids, uh, homeschool them all, even though I, in our church we have a lovely, like, <laughs> a lot of women who did that, and I think that's really cool because that's, that's what they were called to do, and they did it. Right. Um, but I thought that that's what I had to do, um, mm. and I didn't want to, like... Mm-hmm. I was six when I was like, I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. So, like, I I thought that was the only thing. And then I'm seeing all these women in the Bible who, like, no, she was an actual warrior. She was a judge. Mm -hmm. She, like, led the people. The first uh, people to preach the gospel were women. Like, like, uh, after seeing Jesus, um, this empty tomb. And so, like, I I was so encouraged and disappointed at the same time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, encouraged, like, oh, there's so much I can actually do, like, in the faith, but disappointed that, like, I don't know where. Um, And so, like, after that, I started looking for jobs in ministry, and wholeheartedly, I, I, it was, you can run the children's program, and I'm like, no, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. no, thank you. That's not actually what I want to do. And actually, right out of college, that is what I did. And that's where I learned I'm not built for children's ministry. See? <laughs> Learning experiences. Right. <laughs> um, I moved to Indiana, too. That's a whole other story. But, uh, like, I learned I'm not built for children's ministry. And I, I didn't think there was a place where I fit, I fit anywhere. And so... Um, a few now five years ago, weird. Um, so I, 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 my parents lived here in Memphis, and so I moved here um, to Memphis because I didn't know what to do, and so I just moved back in with my parents after uh, graduating college. Um, follow some advice, go to uh, grad school, um, get an internship, which is that place where I interned is where I work now. Um, in that internship, it was neighborhood based, and I met some crazy people who were out doing like street ministry in my neighborhood. And those people happened to be from Mosaic Church, and they've been stuck with me ever since. <laughs> <laughs> and like at Mosaic, it was the first time I like uh, it's as simple as it seems. Like 
first time I saw a woman leading like worship, mm-hmm. like simple things that so many people are like, oh, this is normal. I'm like, it wasn't my normal at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm like, oh, I I am working for a ministry and I have a church that supports like who I feel like I can come in and say, hey, this is what happened at the ministry without them giving me a side eye. Um, I was like, this is not where she belongs. And so it's been over the past few years, over um, the past coming up on three years of working full time um, in ministry, it is one of the most um, like encouraging things being a part of a church that like has acknowledged, like, oh, no, she doesn't have to be whatever this mold was that she made up for herself. Also, one more thing I need to acknowledge. Um, both of my parents are in full-time ministry. Um, they are Christian school teachers, um, and I also didn't want to do that. So <laughs> that is uh, my background. It's funny that you say that Mosaic was, like, the first church where you saw, like, a female worship leader because when we were looking for a church— you know, we moved to Memphis, we were a part of a church, and my background has been in campus ministry and working with college students. And so the church that we visited had a need for that, but it was very quickly made evident that I would not be the one meeting that need. And so we battled that church herd of like, what does it look like for us to really serve our church well with these gifts? And when we were looking for a new church, my husband took the month of May, I remember it was May of 2019, to visit different churches. I was pregnant with our son very early on in my pregnancy, and I was sick as a dog. Mm. And so I said, you just take the month of May, and on Sunday mornings when I'm sick in bed, you go find us a church. Like, I, <laughs> I trust you as my husband right. like to find us a place. And he came home the Sunday that he had visited Mosaic in this location. We had visited before we moved at the previous location, before the merger, and at the time we were I was coming out of a hard season of finishing seminary and mosaic seemed to be your typical church plant in that it's an all hands on deck situation which church should just always be an all hands on deck situation but mm-hmm. I knew it would be a big commitment for us to join and I remember telling my husband I don't have it in me right now to to join a church of at this stage of where they are as a church. And so my husband had bumped into Ira at a FedEx event, and he was like, hey, y'all should come check out Mosaic. We've merged. We're in a new location. And so he came, and that Sunday when he came home, he said, I'm actually glad you weren't there today. And I was just waiting for, like, a horror story of something terrible that happened. And he said, you just you would have ugly cried the whole time. (laughs) And I said, why? And he said, well— you know, I get there and I sit down and the worship leader kind of opens things up, you know, does a call to worship, but then says, we have all women leading today. And that's intentional because I have daughters that I want them to see women leading in the church. And I get emotional talking about now. And I've told Caleb, you know, that that's why we stuck around. Mm -hmm. You know, it's important. You know, at the time we didn't find out the gender of our baby. And so like as we're searching for a church, like I'm growing this life and have no idea that it would be, you know, a young man that I'm raising. But at the time, like male or female, I want my child to grow up in a church where women are given a place to serve. And that wasn't my experience, but I knew that's what I wanted for our family, not just so that I had a place to serve, but so that my my kids grow up in a place where they know that they have a place to serve too. Mm-hmm. And Sarah, you have young kids and you have a 16-year-old girl. What has mm-hmm. that meant for her, like growing up, 
now at Mosaic, but also just what does she see in terms of like her place to serve in the church? Yeah, I think, honestly, I think this past year with COVID has thrown everything for a loop. Mm -hmm. And so I think some of our, because just how we do church um, is just so affected by external circumstances that are just out of our control. And so I think that that's definitely factoring into where where she is right now. Um, She, okay, so it's interesting because... She has been, you know, she's gone to summer camp and she'll come home from summer camp and want to do, like, this was before she had chosen to get baptized and, like, publicly profess faith. And she wanted to come and do and, like, lead a Bible study for the youth group. And my hesitation wasn't, oh, you're a female. My hesitation was, you haven't even, like, publicly chosen to follow the Lord, so maybe let's let's study and think (laughs) about this. But... But that has been a, a, a draw for her repeatedly of like wanting to come somehow bring what she's experiencing and then share it. And and I mean, and that's what the gospel should do for all of us, right? Mm-hmm. Like we receive it and then we, we share it. And whether that's with evangelizing or whether that's with other believers, I feel like we really bless the church when we when we have opportunities or take advantage of our opportunities to share what God's revealing to us as individuals. Um, that's an aside. So more recently, it's it's just so much harder because we're so limited in like the number of people that we might have involved in a Sunday worship. So it's been, you know, more than a year since she's consistently seen, um, I think, women in, in some of the positions we had prior to COVID, like the all-female worship mm-hmm. leading. And, um, and so I think right now, honestly, she's a little discouraged because she looks at our church and she, and we don't even have children's ministry stuff right now. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, where do I use my gifts? And, and so we've had conversations about that. She's also been reading on her own and she's coming across passages in Timothy that are really hard as a woman mm-hmm. when you just read it and you're like, what does, what is this all about? Like, and and then you're like, you know, in your prayer times with the Lord, you're like, Lord, do you even like women? Like, mm-hmm. what is this? All, you know, and so there's, there's some wrestling with scripture that comes into like where she is right now. And, um, and it's, it's, I don't know, a dynamic at play for me that um, that I just think about is is sometimes I think, and this is one of the things I need to share with her, sometimes I think we expect there to be like a formal thing at church, like organized by the elders or the leaders where this is how we use our gifts, right? This is how we serve. And I think that it's really important to move away, and this is, I'm speaking to myself here too, to move away from this expectation that 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 being faithful to the Lord is something that's organized and structured and provided to you by the church. There's a door that's just opened for you. I was thinking a, a while back before, you know, pre-merger, if we if we were talking in those terms, um, you know, we'd done some, some studies on eldership and, um, and I, I had a hard time with that. And I, and I, I'm sure that, you know, being in my flesh and struggling plays into that. And I know, honestly, like, (laughs) sorry, you can edit out all the little, like, pauses here, but, um, you know, daddy issues play into that. So Mm -hmm. I, you know, there's this idea that, that, I mean, fathers, you have so much responsibility and, and, 
because there's this weird thing where we tend to project what, however our Father treated us onto the Lord, mm-hmm. and that's not right, mm-hmm. but it happens. And right. so I know that I, I have that at play in my flesh, right, in my sin nature that comes into play. And so it was, I was receiving some of the teaching on elder stuff. As le- I remember thinking, like, I feel like they're telling me to get in my place, and I haven't even stepped out of my place. So one of the things that came out of, like, taking that to the Lord and praying was, like, my worth, because it was related to a worth. Like, what are women worth? Do, do my brothers in Christ even value what I bring to the table? Like, if I feel like God has given me something to share or, like, has been teaching me something, is there a place for me at church to share that? Is there an opportunity for me to share? And is it is it valued? Mm-hmm. Is it welcomed? Is it wanted? You know, and because if 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 the body of Christ is is weakened by someone not showing up and using their gifts, then and women if women don't have that option, if they don't have that opportunity, then what are we doing to the body of Christ? Mm-hmm. Right. But going back to the whole, is it the church's job to provide me with opportunities, or do I trust that the Lord is the one who tells me what I'm worth? Mm-hmm. Not my brothers in Christ who are also in their flesh, right? And, like, and, not the, and I'm not saying that we're not influenced by our brothers and sisters in Christ. I absolutely wholeheartedly believe, like if a brother comes to me and says, hey, you're sinning, or you've, you've done this, or whatever, I want them to. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to discount what they say because they're a man, right? Mm-hmm. Probably another tangent. But... But my worth ultimately comes from the Lord. And if I'm not in the Word, if I'm not studying and letting God reveal things to me through Scripture, then then I've, I've lost perspective on how I'm receiving all these things. But in terms of, does is it the church's job to set me up to use my gifts? I don't think it is. I, I want to push back on that, and I think it is in that it's the church's job to equip our people to do the work that God has called us to do. So right. I think it's yes and no. I yeah. think I think yes, it's the church's job to to equip and to encourage and challenge our people to step into what God's calling them to do. But it's also not an excuse and a cop out for right. us to just wait for the church to show us how to serve. It is an individual journey of Lord, how have you gifted me? How do these gifts play into what you're calling me to do and being being a part of your work? And I think it's that piece we've talked about in women's ministry together is that we have to know our gifts. We have to know how those gifts work as to be a part of the kingdom. But we also need community rallying around us and reaffirming these gifts and, and kind of whispering like, hey, you are so gifted in this, and I've seen this gap in our community or this gap in our church, and I think you'd be so good at this. Yeah. And more times than not, the Lord's already told you about that thing. Right. You were just scared to step into it until someone rallied around you. So I, I do want to say I think it's both. I yeah. think that it's I don't think that we're supposed to just sit back until the church gives us an opportunity. Right. But I also think it's the church's job to equip all believers for the work of of furthering the gospel. Right. I think what I mean is don't wait. Yeah, absolutely. Don't wait for the microphone. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like I we came to church this past Sunday. And and honestly, I was in a place where I was like, I'm just going to be sitting on the floor with my kid, coloring and pushing cards. Do I want to go? And I did. and then like just in that morning, as I was reading, I feel like God was just reminding me, like, this is not about me. Mm. Like I'm there to love. I'm there to serve. 
in whatever capacity. And when we come at it, I think, with that perspective, God does it. Because here's the cool thing. This is the coolest thing to me. Because, you know, and for so many years, I wanted to, I wanted to be the missionary. I wanted to be the person who was like the super Christian, right? And God's like, no, no. And But the beauty in that is what if God says, Sarah, I'm putting you there for Casey this morning. I'm putting you there for Christina this morning. He loves each of us so individually that he would make my task for the day to bless one sister, one. Not the whole church, but one. Am I willing to be faithful to that? Mm. You know what I mean? Am I willing to show up because I love Christina, because I love Casey? Mm -hmm. Not because, you know what I mean? And let go of the fact that I'm going to be on the floor with my kid. And then I get to watch little baby Hope too. You know, Mm -hmm. like he shows up in the little things. So anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to ask you, Christina, like, because you are a single woman. And I know you and I have conversations about that because there is this stereotype of women in, in that our job is to be a helper and to, you know, serve our families well. And it's very family oriented. And I think that there are family dynamics that you can see in the way God has created the church and the created the family to operate. But for single people, that feels really lonely and isolating. So will you share just like what that's been like to not only be a single person, but to also be a single woman in a world where that can be a really isolating place in the church? Yeah, a hundred percent. I have a lot of opinions. Um, so first of all, when you're talking about giftings, uh, one of the things that goes into it um, with the expectation of this is what you're supposed to be. It's like um, every time I would take those, what's your uh, spiritual gift test? I kept getting evangelists. I'm like, no, women aren't supposed to evangelize. (laughs) What? (laughs) So be quiet. Like, and so I I remember thinking like, oh, how do I actually live this out? Um, And same with uh, women who have uh, the ability to to tell people the truth. (laughs) And (laughs) and like, uh, there's a feeling of like, oh, the way that I'm actually equipped can feel opposite to what I'm supposed to do in church. And it's good. Same goes for being single. Like, oh, I feel like this is where I am in my life at the moment. And I don't, I don't see my place here. And so what I have found, um, Beyond that, like, just the feeling of, oh, I feel isolated. Oh, I, I don't know where I belong. Um, it takes a lot of grounding um, to say, like, hey, I'm going to, I'm here because of what I believe in, what, and I'm here because I believe I can have a place to serve and have a place here. But in a lot of times, if those places aren't, like, visible, it is very difficult. It takes an extrovert. <laughs> it takes one of the people who are like, all right, I've got to talk about this, um, which a lot of times ends up being me. But uh, like, it takes someone who's willing to say, like, we, this is where we need to set up a, a space. And for a lot of like people, the default is like, ah, oh, we need a singles ministry. And I'm like, do we? Or do we just need to make sure that like single people have a place, single women in particular? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of single women really, 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 really want kids. Mm -hmm. And sometimes putting them in children's ministry is the greatest blessing, the kindest thing that you can do. And sometimes it's the cruelest thing that you can do. Um, And you don't know that of having like that default until you get to know people. And so like, I I don't want to be like sound sad, but like maybe you should go, like if you're a married couple, find a single friend (laughs) and be like, hey, like, 
How are you doing? Checking in. What, where would you actually like to serve? What are the things that you're, you are going through and facing? Um, being intentional that, you know, single people are a part of the family too. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes they can make really, really, really great aunties. Uh, sometimes they can be really good sisters and brothers to single men who are in the church. Um, but like, they, because they're not a part of your nuclear biological family because um, they aren't going to be at your mom play dates. Like they are, or we can be sometimes feel like we're left out or we mm-hmm. don't know how to get in. So it might take you saying, hey, come, like it might be chaotic for all the kids, but do you want to grab coffee? Um, I'm, see, I'm glad you said it because I've, John and I have talked about this after you mentioned it the other day. And I, was, I realized my hesitation is my house is so loud. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, they don't want to come to my house, but I'm making an assumption that's not fair. Yeah. Oh, I was like, I, uh, especially in this past year, like I am a, I have been called fiercely independent <laughs> multiple times in my life, mostly not by me. <laughs> but, uh, like I, I tend to be absolutely a okay. It's because I'm an extrovert. I'm outgoing. I can like, ah, oh, this person's my friend now. Cool. I'm doing this. I can find friends quickly. But in the past year, we've all been shut like inside. And so for a lot of people, a lot of single people, myself included, like it's been a really tough season of like, I am not reaching out. I feel disconnected. Um, How do we as a church make sure that like there's nobody at my house? So (laughs) make sure that those people who are in that uh, situation are connected or are um, a part of it. And more than... um, Oh, you're going to get married one day. Don't Mm. do that to people. Don't. That's my PSA. Don't. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think that, um, you know, I am a part of a ministry that serves college students and young adults. And you have so many people that are single and do long to be married. Mm -hmm. But there's also a lot of people who feel like there's this expectation that I have to get married or that if I'm not married, something's wrong with me. And when we set up our church in a way where it's all about supporting the family, we have all these people out on the outskirts that are just like, I long for a family and that's painful for to not have a place in a support system within my church family. And so that's why I've been really passionate and intentional that when we serve women in our church, it starts as their faith comes alive as a teenager, single, married, on up until the Lord takes you home. Like you have a place among women because I need single women in my life um, to to teach me. It's not even about me supporting them. Like I need single women to teach me and to support me and to to be a person that I can look to and to learn from. And I think that there's mm-hmm. this uh, misconception that you've arrived at a mm-hmm. certain place of, of of wisdom or just different stature of life where you've arrived and when you get married. And that's just not the case mm-hmm. at all. And I, I would really love if we could just tear those walls down and and see one another as sisters and brothers mm-hmm. instead of of seeing other moms as our, our people that we turn to, but really just turn to our sisters in general. Yeah. Um, I want to exhort our church on that in the sense of, like, we've made an idol out of families. Mm -hmm. And so I I had found out, you know, we had done a ladies' retreat a while back or a ladies' Bible study over the summer or something. And I had found out after the fact that one lady thought, oh, well, it's going to be all the the moms. Mm -hmm. And it was a lot of moms, but it wasn't all moms. And so, but she didn't come. And and it broke my heart, for one. But two, it opened my eyes that I want 
our single sisters to call us out. Mm -hmm. If there's not a place at the table for you, then please, please like confront us because that's not right for one. Two, we're hamstringing the body of Christ, Mm -hmm. right? And if Paul teaches that like, oh, single, single's the way to go, right? Like they have a decided advantage over us who's Focus can't be entirely on God because part of our our work in life is also taking care of families. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, Christina, I'm saying that you rem- you call us out when we're absolutely <laughs> showing up to both of your houses. Right. <laughs> absolutely. And I think you know, Sarah, you made a comment about the body being weakened when we and, and Scripture teaches about how we're all a part of the body and we all have a job to do. And when You know, statistics say that 60% of our churches are female. And if our women aren't showing up, how do we expect our... And when I say show up, they're there. (laughs) But, But showing up in their gifting and serving well in a way that that really fits who they are and who God's created them to be, if that's not happening, think about how weak we are as an individual body of believers, but also as the church at large. And when we think about the work that God's called us to do, we won't do it only having the men step into their gifting. And Mm -hmm. so as we wrap up our time, I just kind of want to open the floor like, what is something you want your sisters to know? And what is it you want your brothers to know in terms of supporting one another in within the body of believers here at Mosaic and just as the church in general? Sure. Um, I think the first thing is, um, like for Mosaic specifically, um, I what I invite people and I lean into my evangelism gifting. Uh, when I invite people into mosaic, I'm like I I use myself as like a you can trust these people. Mm-hmm. Please be the people <laughs> that you can trust <laughs> because I do. I bring in people all the time. Like oh yeah, I go to mosaic. Um, you can trust these people. You'll have a place here. And then, like that is something that I genuinely I believe is true now. But I always hope that's going to be a true statement of mosaic. Mm-hmm. Is that like. When I'm bringing in my single friends or even sometimes uh, friends who are married, I'm like, yeah, you'll have a place here. And then, like, I don't, I normally don't have to, like, cross my fingers and hope, but, um, like, I, I, I want that always to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so that's one. And then uh, for, like, the global church, the bigger church, I want, um, like, as uh, specifically men in the global church, uh, y- your sisters are there. Um, and, like, have giftings, um, they can surprise you, um, and the church as a whole is more complete when everyone's using their giftings. And so if you have, or if you're having the knee-jerk reaction of, she can't do that, <laughs> question, why? Mm-hmm. Why Why can't she? Um, and if you, turns out you don't have a good answer, maybe <laughs> reconsider. Mm-hmm. That is all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think knee-jerk reactions are always something to question. Mm-hmm. Um, my first thought is we're going to hurt each other. It's mm-hmm. going to happen. It's going to happen. And some of, um, I think it's important to start with prayer when it happens, take it to God first, and then take it to the brother or sister that hurts you. Um, because a lot of times... My experience has been out of those conversations comes times where I get to see the brother's heart, mm-hmm. right? And even if 
even if I'm not like, oh, well, now we're all of one mind and of one accord and we can kumbaya together, which isn't usually how it happens, but I see my brother's heart and I remember this is my brother in Christ Mm -hmm. whom I love, whom Jesus died for so that we would love one another. And I think that when we can kind of um, not take the weaknesses of church, you know, as an organization, institution, whatever, out of our traditions, when when we can um, go to the individuals and and talk about things and process things, there's a lot of healing that comes from that. And then um, just bringing things to light is the first thing that comes to mind, kind of echoing what you said, Christina. I think the other thing is let's not focus on what women can't do. Amen. Um, that is demoralizing. Mm-hmm. That's discouraging and like, we don't, we don't want to do anything God has not called us Absolutely. to. We do not want to step out of alignment with God's Word. That is not our desire. Um, and so I think, and I, and I want to encourage ladies here, when you feel upset about how things are being done, check your heart and take it to the Lord first. Mm-hmm. Because probably there's some pride wrapped up in that that needs to be gotten rid of before you take it to your brother mm-hmm. um, or confessed and repented of. Um, because we get caught up in our feelings. And and I ha- I've heard a lot of women who are very adamant on, um, on you know, kind of moving forward with what women can do in church. And, and I, I have some, some hesitations with the way they're doing it because I'm like, you know, I'm not sure Jesus would have done it that way. And I think that matters. I think mm-hmm. the way we have these conversations, what we insist on, how we insist on it, if it's even something that needs to be insisted on, is maybe not the way Jesus would have done it. And I think we have to remember that God will fight for us, mm-hmm. right? We can wait on His timing. Um, not that that means we just sit back and wait, but it means we get on our knees in prayer, I think, before anything else. I think yeah. those are my... Yeah. One thing I just want to touch on when you mentioned like the knee-jerk reaction, I think that there is a a tendency for us to continue doing what we've always done. And so that means when we look at who do we want to fill this spot, we look for someone that looks just like the person that just filled it Mm, instead of saying, yeah, but what do we need for this season in our church? And so many times we lean on what tradition has said men and women can do in the church instead of what scripture says. And so I really just want to encourage the global church as a whole to to hold loosely mm. to tradition for tradition's sake, um, because I think there are a lot of people that are so gifted and are sitting there feeling like they have nothing to offer. Yeah. Um, and I also just want to say that there are so many people within our churches who um, need that brother to, to come alongside of them and to to show that they see their gifts in them. Um, and when we do get hurt, as you mentioned, Sarah, you know, I read a book and we're going to read it as women in our church. So if you're in Memphis and you're a lady and want to join us, please reach out. We'd love for you to do so. But there's a book that we're going to read together called Free of Me by Sharon Hottie Miller. And it is kind of pushing on that that tendency we have to get hurt 
and and, and kind of sit in that hurt mm-hmm. and not ask the question, am I making this about me? Mm-hmm. Like, it, is this worthy of me having a conversation with someone because I'm really hurt or because my pride is hurt, because my ego is hurt, because I'm right. making this about me? Right. And so I do think that that's important for us as ladies. We're, we're going to get hurt. As people, because we're, you know, the church is just full of a bunch of broken people and we're all going to get, we're going to step on glass. Like we're going to, you know, catch shrapnel. Like that's just part of being a part of the church. Um, I think that we grow as the church when we model forgiveness well and repentance Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. And so uh, thank you ladies so much for for joining this conversation. I love you both so much. I'm thankful to know you and serve alongside of you. And if you are in Memphis looking for a church, we would love for you to join us Um, for our church body. Know that we're thankful for you and excited for the days to come at Mosaic. We hope this episode was a blessing to you. If you've enjoyed listening to our podcast, please let us know and share it with your friends. If you would like to know more about Mosaic Church, you can connect with us online through our website, mosaicmemphis.com.